0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Cup Reviews. That's right. We've branched out now into multiple prongs of The Cups. Now we get to distinguish which one we are in. This one, we are in The Reviews. And this week, we're going to be talking about the 2015 production of Hamlet, directed by Antti Chumolino, starring Jonathan Goad as the titular Prince of Denmark. Uh, Joining me again this week, uh, is our friend actually I can now say general assistant of Kappa Hemlock, as well as longtime friend of the company, Ms. Jill Jill, welcome back for another episode. Hello, Mac. How are you? Very
1: good. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. I have and a change of scenery up. here tonight. I'm yes, actually yeah. at my parents' place for a Father's Day weekend. so beautiful
0: speaking yeah. of fathers in this play, I mean that is the perfect <laughs> timing right? of, of doing this recording. <laughs> What is in your your ensemble and what is in your cup?
1: Yes, so I'm just wearing a nice basic black t-shirt to kind of bleed into the Hamlet. You know, the morning. Yeah, the morning, Mm -hmm. the blacks. Um, My earrings I'm going to save for a little bit later. They kind of bleed into something I'm going to say. And so my cup today, because I'm at my parents' place, (laughs) there's a bit more of a booze, an array of booze here. (laughs) So I made a cocktail. It's called the Gravedigger, I actually found online. (laughs) Now, usually it calls for hard apple cider, some sort of whiskey, and uh, ginger ale. But Mm -hmm. I had to kind of improvise with what we have here. So I have Granny's Apple Pie moonshine from a distillery out in Nova Scotia, Annapolis, Nova Scotia. And then I put a little bit of diet ginger ale in it. So it's a bit of a knockoff of the Gravedigger, but nevertheless.
2: The
0: knockoff Gravedigger. I love that. (laughs) I love that. Next! On our panel this week, we have a new friend of the company. She joined us with our play reading group. And now we're bringing her on to join our theater reviews, a friend of Jill's, uh, Ms. Tanisha. Tanisha, hello. Hello,
3: thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us on, uh, on our panels. You've been wonderful in our greetings. And then it's nice now to have you join us on another platform.
3: You guys are so kind. Thank
0: you so, <laughs> Thank you. so, what is in your cup today, and did you theme your ensemble for the play? Um, okay, so here is my cup. I have a collection of bear mugs. I'm a coffee to keep myself awake, <laughs> um, and I'm wearing black to be moody with Hamlet and a cardigan to match uh,
3: Polonius's cardigan. Yes.
0: <laughs> Love it. Well done. <laughs> Well done. And then we have our lovely literary manager, resident dramaturg, Mr. Ryan Barakovich, welcoming him back once again for another episode.
2: So, thanks for having me back for another episode. <laughs>
0: yes, yes, yes. Between you and Jill, you've been the most frequent appearances throughout, mm-hmm. through, through, throughout this series. And you I'm as host. Yes. Well, yes. Of course, <laughs> of course, of course. And Ryan, what is your cup and what is in it this week?
2: um same old green coffee mug with orange pico tea i think i've drinking that every appearance i've made so far well, and my ensemble isn't interesting i do have black <laughs> shirts i probably th- should have thought to wear one of those but like mm. i don't know <laughs> it's a lot Weird. of work to think about what you're gonna wear for I this know. i don't know how you do it with jill and tanisha <laughs> that <spikes it> up. <laughs> yeah
0: perfect and uh this week i've shaken it up with my cup in honor of gertrude's goblet in the show i have my own lovely goblet and it is filled with a raspberry crystalline we get a nice ruby red uh, filling so there we go so we get a nice wine and goblet and my ensemble is as well i've broken out my black for morning but i also brought in my multicolored shakespeare tie in honor of the lighter tones that can be found within this play that Mm -hmm. sometimes get overlooked. And we'll talk about that
2: later down the line.
0: But there we go. We're all here. We all have our drinks. So let's dive into this sucker. Because, yeah, this is a play that was uh, quite divisive. We're, like, going back and reading the reviews from people. There were some people who loved what what was done, some people who did not. So let's see where we kind of fall on the spectrum here. So Jill, why don't you kick us off? Uh, who was the best performed character of this particular production of Hamlet?
1: Perfect. So I have a tie for that oh. um, and my earrings. Actually, this is beautiful. Mackie, let me go first because I can finish my ensemble. So I have their little flowers with a pearl in the middle. Oh. And I my two actors that really hit it on the nose this week for me were Adrian Gold as Ophelia and um, I believe I'm pronouncing this right, but Garant Lynn Davies as. Garant Cla- Wayne Davies? Garant oh. Lynn Davies, thank you. Yeah.
3: Um,
1: as Claudius. Yeah, so both of them, I think, first of all, their, their physicality they brought into both mm-hmm. their characters um, was impeccable. Um, so I guess just to speak to Ophelia first, um, I usually have seen Ophelia's played more into the dainty, timid, Arc throughout the piece, and what I really loved what gold did is she she had that stark switch into like an animalistic very mm-hmm. carnal visceral mm-hmm. um, vibe to her and it kind of made her more relatable this character mm-hmm. um i I was quite emotional actually when you started to see her demise
2: mm-hmm. in the later
1: acts and mm-hmm. uh, I thought it really it allowed um a bit of more of a feminist approach to Ophelia, mm-hmm. which I think is very easily overlooked with this. Mm-hmm um ingenue character so that to mm-hmm. me and like I said just as an actor the throws that she kind of put herself mm-hmm. in uh that's that is some hard hard-ass work sorry it I is to, It the is the only word that yeah. can really come out for that um and uh yeah and then just talking back to um Davies he was such an interesting Claudius for me because he was so touchy-feely and creepy mm-hmm. and hissy. And i would never seen a Claudius uh, be that physical. I've kind of only seemed that he was kind of more standoffish and kind of just in the shadows. But I really liked how um, Davies, like really every person that he interacted with, he had to touch or he had to lift. Um, but then when kind of Hamlet did it to him, he mm-hmm. was stoned. And so it just added another level of that character I've never seen before. He was pulling double duty between Eight playing months. the ghost and so with and that Claudius. too, I'm like, this is a dramaturg's dream because it took me a <laughs> while to be like, is that the same actor? And then once I pulled up the program note, it was like, oh my gosh. So again, that added so many levels too because you're like, was King Hamlet and Claudius like, are they twins? Or like, is this sort of, is is the ghost we're seeing? Is it Hamlet sort of? Forgetting his father and like placating the next father figure, like on top of this ghost, wow. you know, like there was, there was little little things that uh, that stuck out for me mm-hmm. there. And then also just to kind of speak on because this obviously we're seeing this through a filmed lens.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: he Davies was another actor for me, similar to we had mentioned in the Coriolanus panel. Graham Abbey did a really good job of, hey, this is a stage production, but tonight we're filming it. He did a really good job of playing both filmic and theatrical acting, which yes. um, not maybe some of our audience don't know, but they're both very different mediums. So mm-hmm. I thought Davies played that sort of hybrid role for us in this production. Mm-hmm. He did a really good job of taking some of his moments mm-hmm. more filmic for mm-hmm. the virtual audiences and yeah. then resonating physically too. Mm-hmm. So Adrian Gold as Ophelia and Garant Lynn Davies as Claudius.
0: Yes, and we will see Garant return as Falstaff down the road in our Mary wives episode and he's quite different from this claudius so you know he is wonderful tanisha how about you who was mm-hmm. your stand-up performance of the of, of this recording i had also had a toss-up and it's mm-hmm. interesting that you that you brought up claudius because i was debating putting him in my top like i was debating because <laughs> i was like he was so surprising to me i had also had never seen a claudius that was that was like that and um yeah, so my standouts were Polonius and uh Hamlet. Those two were just very like Great. It, yeah, and it was funny mm-hmm. because Hamlet there's times where I actually like didn't like him, but then there's times he made me love him so much. So that's <laughs> that's why I thought mm-hmm. I had to put him up there because a character that can make you kind of like hate them and love them is mm-hmm. always really interesting. Mm. yeah. <laughs>
3: um, yeah sorry. No,
0: no, that's great. Yeah. Jonathan Goet had been a long time kind of contender for Hamlet and it, they had approached him uh, way back in then, I think, 2008 to do it. Uh, but he turned it down and Ben Carlson, who, who, um, um, who we know from Timon um, of Athens, he stepped into the role and the, and then when Anton Tamir approached him this time around, uh, Jonathan Goad said he was ready to take on uh the the titular prince uh and then Tom Rooney uh yeah, Tom Rooney once again he always just comes in with these great parts I mean his, his polonius really stood out to me especially in the act two scene where he's trying to explain the letter and you see him going really fast with that dialogue but still making it understandable so yes yeah, shout out to Tom Rooney who once again plays that kind of mix of kind av- uh that kind advisor but also kind of that snakeish gentleman who once again who was plotting against you all at the same time mm-hmm. yeah I, I thought he was very like uh like authentic and like mm-hmm. very like there's a lightness to it like uh yeah he kept a lot of humor in it which mm-hmm. i loved and i also wanted to note that um yeah christopher he like there he played for film and and for the stage and there was mm-hmm. just some beautiful moments where he like caught me off guard. i think the one mm-hmm. was um Oh, I wrote it down in a note. It was like, "What makes, um, oh, what a piece of a man is, or something like that." Mm-hmm. And just, just he looked right at me, and I was like, "Oh, true, okay."
3: Man, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he caught you.
0: Yeah, there were so many moments where he like actually like caught me and made me think, um, it, like just related it to me. So it was
3: mm-hmm.
0: interesting, and it, I didn't expect yeah. that from him hmm No, that's fantastic. Ryan, how about you? Who stood out to you tonight?
2: Yeah, so I kind of want to, in agreement with Tanisha, say the thing that I say on quite a few of these panels is that even if I'm going to focus in on someone else, obviously the title character, the star performer always, you know, the whole show's success is hinged on their performance and I think Jonathan Goad was, in my opinion, an excellent Hamlet and I do want to make sure he gets his due for that. He really... Like, this is only the second time we've seen him in this series. He was Kent and Lear. And if you recall, I was a little not enamored with that performance. So now just seeing him come back in such a prominent role like this, and he really sold me on it, he was the perfect. Blend of like silly and uh, uh, spicy, and <laughs> a little kind of. He didn't like fall into the melancholy that I find too many actors playing Hamlet do too much. And maybe we'll talk more about that in a later question. Yeah. But I think, yeah, and he really, like, I don't know, he kind of just reminds me of a young Paul Gross, which I feel like Ooh. for Stratford is a bit of like a yay, a second coming. Of course, this guy has to play Hamlet, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I just thought he has that, like, perfect charm and demeanor for the performance. But mm-hmm. the one I actually do want to single out as my pick is Tim Campbell as our Horatio. Ah. Which, yeah, like, it wasn't a very showy role Horatio very rarely is. And he kind of just came very subtly, did his job. But he played the role with more of a maturity than I find I'm usually seeing. Usually it's like... Hamlet's like younger more sprightly sidekick that Mm -hmm. like and that's certainly an interpretation he is the one who has to represent the future and tell the story Mm -hmm. so there is a temptation to kind of like have and I also go to guess was playing more of an older Hamlet that we usually see anyway so the fact that two of them being school fellows definitely seemed like within the same age group and they both both brought that maturity a little bit. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Tim Campbell, uh, if if I'm not mistaken, he was uh, Alcibiades and Tymon earlier in this run. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that was another one I remember that we were maybe a little less enthused about because, and I think... What I'm now praising him for as Horatio was part of what we were maybe critiquing previously is that he kind of just blended into the background there in what should have been a very prominent role. And here he did that perfectly, that he never stole the show, but was always filling out the scenes in such an important way. Mm -hmm. So that's why Tim Campbell as Horatio gets my vote for standout performance. Wonderful.
1: Wonderful. I'm loving it. What a stark contrast too mm-hmm. between that and Alcides! El- like, go yeah. Campbell, just right. Yeah. I, I didn't even realize. You know, you love that when you see recurring <laughs> actors, and you're like, "Oh, yeah. wait, yes, with them."
0: Okay, yep.
3: love
1: it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm loving this, and we all have different people on our list. Mm-hmm. Like for me, uh, I have Shauna McKenna as virtual mm, Yes, as my a close one for me as well. Because, mm-hmm. to be honest. I, like Shana McKenna and Missy Kupak, they're, they're the two games of *Stratford*. So whatever they do, you know, they're going to do something special with the part. What I loved about her performance of Gertrude is that she didn't play her as one note. You got to see the slow descent of Gertrude throughout this play where, where bit by bit, as she's watching this world that she loves and knows collapse around her, she starts to crumble and crack as well. And the fact that a lot of times you don't get that with our Groochies, Groochies kind of stay stoic throughout the whole play, and then at the end it's like oh, I'm poisoned. (laughs) I'm dead. Here, it's like, oh, darn it, like, darn it, Shana McKenna, you're gone.
2: You and I you? loved, like, to bounce right off of that, mm-hmm. that in her little, like, finale there, she was playing it almost like she was already drunk yes. before yes. that, which I've never seen that interpretation wow. before. That was certainly interesting, and that's why she was so, like, quick to just keep drinking and not I listen to that. her husband's warnings. Yeah, it was quite a choice, I must say. It was quite
1: a- this- Again later, but just like mm-hmm. that, just the the idea of the alcoholism in the relationship. Mm-hmm. I thought the the church scene with Claudius and him sort of being under the influence of the bottle yeah. too. Yeah,
3: um,
1: it didn't kind of hit me till I was after the show, like uh meditating on on the piece as a whole, and I was like, oh my goodness, alcoholism at least it was alluded to, played a role in the relationship.
2: Polonius, too, had one moment where he was, like, offering, I think it was Ophelia, a glass, and when she refused, he poured it into his glass, so he had a double there. Yeah, like, there was an interesting undercurrent of alcoholism throughout this production that definitely paid off in that final scene there.
0: (laughs) And I also will say that uh, Shauna McKenna's facial expressions she's yep. so great because Gertrude doesn't like I forgot how little she actually has to say in the play like you think mm-hmm. that she's going to be this one of these kind of grand dames of the stage where she's going to talk a lot kind, kind of how but yet you all this one's almost like the Duchess of York and Richard there, where she's kind of just sprinkled throughout mm-hmm. the tale that we're watching her. but yet every time she was on stage even her facial expressions showed exactly that mm-hmm. slow cracking of Gertrude where yeah, she, it was just, she's it was a character that
1: basically has to listen happy. And have stuff sort of thrown at her, but doesn't Correct. really retaliate back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like uh, the
0: whole time it was just all in, the, like it was just all in her face, and you could just see her slowly but surely almost dying in her eyes mm-hmm. as, as she's watching all these people kind of get picked off one by one. Whether it's mm-hmm. Polonius or her husband, even or or, or or Hamlet getting sent away and then coming back, and then and then um and then and then even especially that scene with her and Claudius sitting on the edge of her bed. After um, Ophelia's come in, and it's just the two of them on stage. It's one of these beautiful kind of marriage things where she's just holding Claudius, and you can just see the the, the last bits of her breaking away, where she just can't, she, she's barely able to hold anything together anymore. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, TJ, and, and you were gonna add something. Uh, 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 oh no, I was more. just uh, commenting on the alcoholism
3: that it was, mm. and she was like, "No, I don't want it." it
0: was- yeah. yeah right yeah yeah it's very interesting good choice to have that alcohol kind of poison kind of spread throughout where it's this continual that that people are doing to keep going it's great okay uh next we have uh what was our favorite production or design element of this production tanisha why don't you kick us off for this one um i thought it was very interesting like the dark just everything black the black Mm -hmm. boxes the Mm -hmm. The stairs, like there was, it was very mm-hmm. little actual, like uh, setting and props, and mm-hmm. I thought that just it made it so more. It made it more raw. It was mm-hmm. just about like the the relationships. I thought that was such a great choice. I also really loved the simplicity of the ghost. Yes, I loved, I loved it. It was just an actor with a light and mm-hmm. like the armor that. And it was so, it made the moment so interesting when the ghost was embracing Hamlet and then Mm -hmm. you could just see the metallic armor hand. um, And it just gave me ideas for other productions. Like, okay, like a ghost can just be a light on stage with an actor. At first I didn't even (laughs) realize, I thought it might be just a a person, like a backstage person holding (laughs) (laughs) They would have actual ghost do that <laughs> just thought what an interesting way to do. Mm-hmm. no that's great yeah mm-hmm. ryan what do you what say if you what is your favorite see it's interesting so
2: tanisha i kind of agree with you that the set was a standout but i feel like for different reasons i would say mm-hmm. because uh yeah the set i kind of thought there was like a lot going on with the set like it wasn't I guess it was kind of like maybe not like a fixed set and more things brought in but i think I think I had like a different, a similar comment on this for the tempest one, but like a shout out to the ASM crew for just how quickly they manipulated the space and mm-hmm. moved everything in and out, changed rooms. There were several scenes in this where I had to like remind myself that oh, this is happening in the exact same space that the previous scene happened in because it just felt so different and changed. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is like a testament to the set and the props and the crew for really making that happen. And like maybe some of this is. Heightened by the fact that we're watching it in like a filmic version as opposed to in the theater, but I think it was a great use of space and really simple stuff. One thing I will also add to that comment is, just like in time, and I feel like we're shouting out time and a lot in this episode, but just like in time, and I complimented the costumes because there was the clever detail of like the modern Greek flag on Alcibiades' mm-hmm. military uniform on polonius's desk was a modern danish flag which and next to that was like believe the eu flag so Mm -hmm. even though this isn't set in like today so to speak they still have those echoes of it's this ain't medieval denmark which Mm -hmm. are always a nice touch yes
0: very Mm -hmm. true very true i also will piggyback off ryan because my the set was also my (laughs) shout out of the show having come from york where we live off boxes to make our to and just the way of configuring boxes yeah. it was so smart what they did like the fact that ancient Leo started with the idea of the boxes being tombstones but then just morphed into all into church pews in the chapel or being pushed together to make gertrude's bed in her bed chamber it was just all these kind of great little ways of using these boxes and showing just the simple way of doing theater and then also the fact he also didn't use special flooring that's the tanya Mizeevich. Stage floor that they've had for years, so the fact that that was just there, they didn't do anything special before it was just a very barren set, and then at the same time you had the trap door where it which doubled as the grave being <clears throat> present throughout the whole thing they didn't try to hide the hole in the floor. It was yeah. just this piece of death that just emanated like just these death vibes throughout the entire mm-hmm. show. It was fantastic. I love the way they did the set that was one of the things where I was just oh. Every time they did a scene came out, I was like, okay, what are they doing with these boxes now? They just shake it up a bit, because oh, it was just fascinating to continually watch that. I had to go back and rewatch some of them again, just to be like, what are they doing? What are they representing? And once you got it, it was like, oh, these is so great. So yeah, set for me was my shout out. Jill, what's it? What was your shout out?
1: Yeah, great snowball for me, too, because set was sort of honorable mention for me. Mm-hmm. So just kind of on the whole realm of... Uh, the set being simplistic, like Tanisha was saying, mm-hmm. but also the little details that kind of Ryan was sprinkling into. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the first image where everyone comes on stage to sort of celebrate Claudius and Gertrude's union. Mm-hmm. And they have these blurred mirror-esque panels on the yes. back. And to me, it was like, ooh, this is such a good way to start this piece because mm-hmm. it's like blurring the truth, you know? Yeah. Like it. it was almost to me like, Here's a bunch of mirrors, you know, see mm-hmm. your true self. But every single character in this doesn't really know the other, like their partners to yeah. a fruit, like to to a whole. Right? There's mm-hmm. always something missing or a facade, right? So I just, I really mm-hmm. liked the blurred panels was a really, really accurate uh, introduction to the vibe of the piece. But kind of going back to what Tanisha set us off on lights and the gobos for me uh for this production took the crown um for various Mm -hmm. different reasons i loved the the use of light for the transitions like ryan was Mm -hmm. saying like hats off to that asm crew but Mm -hmm. um wonderful sort of splitting the stage in half and having totally dark but then like the lips sort of lit for for horatio and hamlet to have their conversation um Mm -hmm. the beautiful image of hamlet climbing the boxes to sort Mm -hmm. of speak to the ghost it almost because he's dressed in black too and the way that the lights were hitting Mm -hmm. um it really had us only focus on his visage and it kind Mm -hmm. of to me was like again this is a core facet of the play because we're forced to just focus on his mind you know Mm -hmm. like it was almost like a floating head Mm -hmm. um and then the different uh material materials of light fixtures, I guess. You know, there was lanterns. Mm-hmm. There was the spotlights mm-hmm. when the players came on. There was mm-hmm. the sort of like white light to represent mm-hmm. going into the light of death. Or um mm-hmm. so that, um and what else did I write down here? Um, the idea that light sort of bookended the whole play. Like we started mm-hmm. with that light of death funeral sort of esque mm-hmm. thing and we ended with that too. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so so hats off to set, but I think the lighting pattern and the gobo's were brilliant too. The, the yes. window pane gobo of Ophelia's space, mm-hmm. like hitting Laertes' space. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of the like foliage sort of gobo's that were happening too.
2: So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also really liked speaking of lighting the, in the scene where Hamlet's going to kill Claudius but stops because he's praying. There's like mm-hmm. this cross of light hanging yes. above, which is mm-hmm. just like yeah, such a stark image in the otherwise very dark setted scene. Yes.
0: Yeah, so so good. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Lighting, yeah, the, the lighting was just like with Macker's where where the absence of light really did give this
1: feeling too,
0: uh, to, to the audience
1: now that you brought that up too Mac we talked mm-hmm. about in on one of our panels how Hamlet is sometimes seen as Macker's light uh, <laughs> or, or Ma- <laughs> Macker's the pg version or yeah the pg right, version yes. of Mac-ers. Um, yes. but I really think the the light and and might I also mention the sound quality of this production too I think upped the ante a little bit of making its reputation a little more grounded and not necessarily in the shadows of Macker's mm-hmm. yeah so, um yeah
0: for sure mm-hmm. all right i'm gonna kick us off with the next session which is the weakest part of the production because ryan mm-hmm. started to allude to my choice every ever's a review but mine was the costumes <laughs> i didn't like the costumes in this i i liked the original concept which was the, the idea of world war one and the fact that the world was changing in world war one but then we went all over the place like, like we had hamlet in a medieval tunic we then had like Garani Davis dressed very modern, almost like American present look with just the tie and the suit and the pin. And then you also had men dressed in like World War II and World War I military costumes. Like it was just all over the the place. There wasn't any sense of why this was so all over. Like there was, I didn't find there was any DDD. Like even with Coriolanus, where yes, it was modern, but we also had some other elements mixed in of some more ancient Roman style there was still that, you still could kind of make the connections of what Robert Lepage was trying to do with that kind of old meets new. Here just felt really jumbled out. Like they had gone into the Stratford Warehouse of Costumes and just kind of picked out certain ones they liked. And it was like, I mean, the, the one standout was Gertrude's dresses. I did love Gertrude's beautiful ball gowny outfits wore, but everything else, I was like, I don't get it. And the fact that him, didn't look princely throughout the entire play, basically. And I was like, turn it like him at least dress the part of
3: who you are well like,
0: I, I don't I, I, know I, can... always in like knit like knit sweaters <laughs> and not like a proper suit like lairdy's looks better than you well <laughs> Come
2: Mag, on. if i could chime in and in defense yes, of the costumes please. a little bit which again turn wasn't it. my first choice for what i wanted to mm-hmm. highlight but i do think it's maybe a little better than you're giving it credit for
3: okay. um,
2: and i think so the way I read, the fact that it didn't seem like a consistent time period, that like you said, it sort of jumps around seeming, mm-hmm. I kind of read that as being consistent with what Anthony Chimilino said about World War One and everything's changing. Mm-hmm. So because the play very much starts at that like turn of the century kind of feel and then Things start to get progressively more modern looking throughout i kind of saw that as that moment accelerates the process of modernity and that is represented through the costumes maybe okay. i'm grafting too much of my own headcanon onto this but that was kind of how i wanted to read that and i thought that suited me just fine um in terms of like the hamlet's costumes in particular like yeah well I, I don't remember, like, in what scene did he have a medieval tunic? I don't even remember that he was mostly wearing sweaters. Like, the very yeah.
0: first scene, he has <laughs> that sweater, medieval tunic, that almost looks like the mission okay, yeah. with the rings all over it. Right. And in fact, it also has a zipper going through, you can see the zipper in the middle. I was like, this isn't princely at all. Like, we're but Hamlet
2: real? is an unusual kind of prince. He doesn't, he rejects these titles, and he, like, lives by his own way, like... I, you Usually I've seen quite a few versions of this where he wears like very ridiculous costumes to show his antic disposition and I'm glad we didn't go in that direction but the fact that yeah. Laertes does look better than him and more princely than him I think is an important part of the fact that Laertes is that is his core, a foil to Hamlet. He's the one that, my father's been killed, I'm immediately going to go avenge him, as opposed to Hamlet's like, let me think about it for a bit. Like, <laughs> <Very> <laughs> so true. I don't see that as a big deal, that Hamlet was dressed not for the part of a prince, because in my mind, he was dressed for the part of Hamlet.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Fair hmm. I don't know, for me, the costume, it just bugged me watching it through it. I was like, I don't get where you're going, with this ancient can't bench <laughs> Like I, I, like every other time, you've done a really good job mirroring your set and your costume, making them all very cohesive. This time, it just felt off. And I was something reading reading other reading like other reviews of from 2015. There were a few other people who I think Golden Globe uh, was another one that 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 mentioned that as well. So there was a few people who were a little put off by the costumes. Uh, Jill, <laughs> what sayeth you? What was your Element,
1: yeah. So, I don't have a particular element per se. I have, I guess, some moments and okay. some mm-hmm. character work that I didn't sit super well with me. Perfect. So, um, fun fact Hamlet is actually the only Shakespeare that I've ever act- acted in.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, ah. yeah,
1: my what about
2: Portia, the merchant of Venice oh, on our yes. other show? Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> virtually, I was Portia, yes, but um. Yes. Yeah, my third-year class, uh, the Theatre and Drama Studies program I went to, it's the Sheridan College and University of Toronto hybrid program that Tanisha is currently in as well. Um, we did Hamlet for our third-year classical project, and I had the opportunity to, a lot of us, we, we did um, split casting, mm-hmm. and we also jumbled up all the casts, so you would never really be playing with the same cast. It was a really cool um, concept, but had the opportunity to play Rosencrantz and Gravedigger, so mm-hmm. either or. Um, with some sub-characters that I would also come in, but Rose and Grave Digger were my main ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason why I'm mentioning this is um, a lot of the supporting characters for me in this uh, production fell flat a little bit. And maybe yeah. it's because of my experience with these sort of lesser in the spotlight characters and because it was more of a school project, um, we were able to kind of delve more into those characters. But I just, I like, for some examples, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, and even I, I get Horatio, like, the mm-hmm. the point you were making, Ryan, like, that does make sense to me, but I just kind of wanted more from the mm-hmm. supporting characters in this piece, and I don't think it was on the actor's onus, per se. I think it was more of, like, a directorial thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think everyone still hit the mark in the positions they were in, but I, mm-hmm. I just I, I know I've seen productions, and I've I reading the play there's definitely more color to be given to those characters and I just Mm -hmm. didn't that didn't happen for me um and yeah and I think that could add more fuel to the piece overall and so sometimes when the energy was dipping a little I think it was just because those characters weren't necessarily given the space to have the agency that they Mm -hmm. could have um and another just a couple other things that I had an interesting um, relationship to when death happened in this play. I felt like there needed to be more of a shock factor or like a meditation Mm. from the characters that were on stage. And so the first sort of off feeling came to my attention when Polonius dies. Because to me, that's the moment where tangibly we're sort of getting the sense that possibly Hamlet is mad or is going mad or there's there something that has happened now that we can put a face mm-hmm. to a name that is mm-hmm. sort of spirals him into his de- demise. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think just from um, Gertrude and even Hamlet himself, like when Polonius died, I needed there to be more of like a wave of, mm-hmm.
3: okay. Like now mm-hmm. we're
1: here. And I think a lot of this sort of came up for me again in the last duel scene as well, mm-hmm. because, it just was like, that, even on the page and on stage, that, that scene is very clippy. It's like, this person dies, this person dies, it's like, I get it, it happens yeah. fast, but there there needed to be more of a, like an ambiance of, of, whoa. Like, you know? Yes. Because um, that's scary when, <laughs> when there's <laughs> murder, literally, especially with Polonius, I was like, wouldn't you be super scared that you, someone literally just stabbed someone behind your back? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so just, I needed more. And I, I've said this a lot in previous panels too, just sometimes more of a beat or, or a, a realization of something actually bad happening. And it's mm-hmm. never, it's not just talked about anymore. There's action placed behind it, right? So
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. I,
0: I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. Especially during the last scene, that, that mm-hmm. last scene, it all happened so fast. I actually had to rewind that moment. To be like, mm-hmm. do we take any minute to acknowledge that like, oh, Gertrude died, Laertes died, all these important figures of the play and now all of a sudden just fallen over. But it all yeah. happened so, so quickly. And you're right. I, I think there should be a little bit more of a moment to mm-hmm. let, I, I have that realization for those characters of what happened.
1: Especially because there's so many, sorry, just there's so many other raw yeah. moments in the play mm-hmm. that, that happened that allow us to kind of sit with the thoughts yes. of Hamlet or yeah. sit with the sadness and sorrow mm-hmm. of Ophelia um
3: yeah yeah Tanisha so. yeah. yeah for me it was interesting
0: because we're gonna go back to costumes because <laughs> they just threw me off I was like mm-hmm. who's Hamlet like, oh <laughs> and then I see seeing the sitting arrangement I was like oh well that must be Hamlet just because of where he's sitting
3: <laughs> and, then,
0: and then they showed it was him and I was like okay interesting Mm -hmm. choice like I get (laughs) all black I love the all black but I was just like you there could have been like just a little bit something more like Mm -hmm. he didn't have to look princely at all I totally Mm -hmm. love that Mm -hmm. there is more like a prince I I like that Mm -hmm. that was interesting they're just I don't know it was very weird to me and then uh, I don't know Mm -hmm. Ophelia's clothing I was just it was so like Boring. Like honestly, all of it was just like I get, I get where he's mm-hmm. going with the World War Two, like World War One, sorry, in modernity. Um, and I was just so bored. <laughs> I, like <heard laughs> I was the only one where I was like, okay, nice costume, like, yeah. and like the suits can be just like I don't know. Like I'm not saying my all suits are boring. They're just I've seen productions where it, it just looks
3: way better I don't know one thing
1: that also mm-hmm. threw me off were the trench coats of the guards in the first scene yeah I, I, la- I kind of liked that vibe but then as I was watching the scene further it's like this is a little bit chunky for me mm-hmm. I, or it was like, really
3: like exactly
1: detective-esque yeah. but you're holding a giant gun as opposed to like a hand gu- I don't know was, Then there was a sword
3: I was like no, I'm so I was like, "What is this?"
1: See,
0: that's exactly it. I, I, I did I don't feel there was any real DDD done on this. I, I just went into the costume warehouse and went, "All right, let's just have some fun, everybody. We're, I, 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 we're the first production of the season, so let's. So we get our pick of what we want for costumes. Here we go. My other mention too was like the supporting characters because mm. I was like, were they supposed to just be like? very stat like statuesque like the mm. one oh, i was just like there's not a lot of um stuff going on
3: with them mm, and yes. Like
1: now that
0: you say that it might have been a directorial choice i'm like okay that's so interesting but
1: i didn't fun like fact that. behind me where my finger is pointing are little mugs of laurel and hardy and
3: mm.
1: rng gave me those vibes off the get-go i was mm. like yes this is going to be such a good good toss-up and then mm. there was the comedy was kind of sucked from them a little yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, Richard think... got the laugh in that moment with her and mm-hmm. with her and Claudius, where he, where Claudius mixes up the names and she corrects him. So yeah. That was the moment where I was like, oh, got you some comedy here with, with them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's fair. I do think it's interesting. Like, aside, I feel like I came the closest to picking a minor character with when I picked Horatio, but the fact that we all picked, like, main players in the story and didn't really, like, give much love to the supporting players is mm-hmm. a testament to this fact that we're now seeing issues with some of the way that was handled and yeah like there's a lot of minor characters in this play mm-hmm. it is kind of hard to give them all the do they need when at the end of the day it is just hamlet's story
3: yeah, yeah No, but mm-hmm. was
0: the only standout out of the sub- yeah that i, that I was mm-hmm. like i agree yeah like, that i was interested in and mm-hmm. by, like everyone else i was like
3: mm-hmm.
0: are you even thinking about stuff right now <laughs> <laughs> Right, exactly, Ryan, how about you? what is what is your weakest part of the production?
2: So I also have two okay. um I'm gonna start with what I think is the more controversial one because Ooh. Tanisha, you already pointed it out as something you like and Mac you substantiated it mm-hmm. Tom Rooney, um I usually love him this is the first, and I think it's just relative to my expectations. I was a little disappointed, so mm-hmm. but. This is one of my least less favorite Poloniuses I've seen, I must say, and the one thing, and Jill and I were talking about this a little bit before we started filming this, but, like, this something that he did very frequently, and as always, I was following along in my text while watching, so I could very clearly see that it wasn't actually what it seemed like, but he kept stumbling in this way that was very clearly deliberate and part of the character, but they were like pregnant enough pauses that it always felt to me like, oh no, is he actually forgetting his line? It didn't like come across as like that smooth, sort of polished, like, I am the daughtering fool who's like, you know, porky pig struggling to find his words. Like it very much felt like he, the actor, was ghosting in front of us. And that really like I had a hard time kind of and like he did it from beginning until he died midway through the show. And yeah, it really I found it wasn't his best. I, like, My favorite performance of his that we've seen so far was Holofernes last week in Love's Labour's Lost. And what I loved so much about that was how on the ball, doing the tongue twisters, doing like little flourishes and like verbal acrobatics around it. So then to see this right after that, it's like, I know you can do everything with these words. It's almost a shame that you're playing dumb in this way. I get that it's part of the character of Polonius, but it didn't really do it for me
1: interesting, Fair. too, because he would have played that role at the end of this season because Love, Loves, Labors, Lost, and mm-hmm. Hamlet were in the same one, and Loves, Labors was kind of in that final So
2: that was his redemption. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: he, if anything, I mean, there is, to, to sort of um, take a little bit of, of the, the stress <laughs> off of him, there was a mm. very stark contrast yeah. in his styles that he brought to both pieces. But I, I do agree with Brian a little bit, too. Uh, there was mm. moments of, like, oh, is he, like, we know a good tom rooney like even if he is stumbling he will pick himself up but I yeah oh, isn't? and then after the first couple of scenes I'm like oh no no no, that's just the character choice he's doing I,
2: yeah but it was kind of like it happened too often and too many of those moments and he had like a lot of great comedy in it i did like as i mentioned i like the moment where he poured like the <laughs> glasses off her he had that very tender moment with ophelia while she's playing her violin and like there was good stuff in the performance but overall Again, probably just relative to my expectations, seeing him do so many good things prior to this, I felt it fell a little short. The other one is, again, one that I think was, again, maybe just a lack of untapped potential, I guess, sort of, is the music in this production. Ah. because so as many of us probably know and if even if you didn't look at the credits they did this thing uh, a little feature on it on the stratford youtube channel so stephen page of the bare naked ladies fame was the composer for this production and they said in that little featurette that this was his sixth production with stratford mm-hmm. and yeah and i felt like when you bring on a bit of like of a celebrity in one of these like production roles, you kind of expect there to be something showy and more like exciting. And to me, the music kind of just was there. There were very few moments where I really felt like it was poignant and actually amplified anything, and it was kind of just very subdued in the background, which otherwise might have not bugged me so much. But when you do have like a top billed celebrity in that spot, I wonder if there's more he could have done, I know in that same featurette that I mentioned, Izzy uh, e. Chimalino said that they first worked together and Stephen Page first came to Stratford for uh, it was a production of As You Like It that was like the summer of love, and that was yeah. so I understand why you would want a pop or rock musician to really mm-hmm. get behind that. So I felt like there was nothing in this production that warranted having that type of excitement than like it's, to his um, credit. Yeah. Which
1: featurette? Are you talk Which part are you talking about, Ryan? You
0: know, it minutes. was
2: I. Yeah. I do you remember what it's called, Nick?
0: Yeah. Uh, it's one. It's it, it, it's one. They call it like behind the concepts.
3: Basically,
0: <laughs> okay. like once a, like like once a week, it's the um the uh, literary manager of Stratford with Andy Trumelino, or or the mm. production director, and they talk about something like 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 when they did Tempest, they brought in the set designer. In this okay. one, they brought in the music
1: composed. So you're you're saying he had he was sort of the man behind the magic of Ophelia's uh, violin. Which is Tom Rooney singing.
2: Uh, he wrote like, the music for that moment. Right. Yeah, okay. and like that was a nice moment, as I just said, and like it's something yeah. you said last week, Jill, about how like who in the cast is able to do a backflip? Okay, we have a backflip in the show, so I'm sure Adrian Gold is like, I can play violin. Can we use this? And they integrated then. That. that was a nice moment. But overall, the music, which I believe. Stephen Page composed all of it. Really, just yes, he none of it stuck with me. So I think that I agree with you, is yeah, yeah. worth yeah. dinging in this way.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Uh, I will also say something to piggyback off Ryan and Tom Rooney is mm-hmm. I wasn't a fan of Polonius being a priest. I
2: yeah, that was it. an interesting
0: choice. That that that, I was, that that just irked me the minute I saw it. I was like, Polonius isn't a priest. He's you a know? like I, I, I basically he is a suit and tie advisor to the president, he, he he is a John Bolton. He is a mm-hmm. kind of chief of staff for, for Claudius. He's not a priest figure. Mm-hmm. And the fact they had him in this kind of priestly clothes, I was like, Claudius never came across as a priest. And the fact he is one was just the whole time I was like, I don't like this interpretation of this role this way. Change it, change it, change See, it. See, if
2: I had to guess, I would say that interpretation came from Ophelia's line when she has her first scene with Laertes where she mm. says, uh, as some ungracious pastors do in terms of like giving advice that they don't heed, and then Polonius mm. comes on in his cassock and starts giving his to-thine-own-self-be-true speech. Right. So I think that was really riffing off of that, but that feels like just a one-trick like one trick banjo there that doesn't need yes. to be permeated through the entire production.
0: Yes, <laughs> very true. Very true. Okay, awesome. All right, Ryan, as our resident TA, as always, you're going to kick this for us which is do you think this production hit the mark and is it worth the watching
2: i would say yes and uh i think and i'm noticing this a lot more as we keep watching more of these shows in the series and this is another one that Anthony chimelino directed and i think all the ones that he's directed have very much just yeah they do the trick just fine there's usually nothing like very flashy or a big creative concept to them they just they do what they need to do they're a solid straightforward production and sometimes that's all you need I cut a set like, with the Lear one that he also directed that, like, I'm a big sucker for just the standard fancy dress version mm-hmm. of these plays. And while this one wasn't quite that, it was trying to do something a little more ambitious or not, depending on how you look at it in the costume department. I do think at its core, it still had that we are not trying to outsmart the play. We have the respect for it and we don't feel the need to do something special with it because it is already special. Mm-hmm. So and yeah, I think it, once again, Go's performance was very strong, and Hamlet will only be good if Hamlet is good. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend this show, and I think it is a solid one that I would definitely show students as like an introduction to the play.
1: Very good. Okay, uh, Jill, what's the you? Yeah, so wonderful little piggyback off of that. I also agree. Yes, yes, yes. This has hit the mark of um, a lot of the similar points that Ryan was making um, for students who are studying it, especially in high school. I think especially this production in particular now, now saying it out loud, Hamlet would have come before Love's Labor's Lost in the actual season. But because mm-hmm. we have a virtual opportunity to see these pieces and Love's Labor's Lost came first, mm-hmm. um, this sort of would have been the sister production, Hamlet and Love's Labor's Lost*. so a lot of the same the cast, cast members would have yes. been in both. And I think going back to uh, the chemistry of Love's Labor's Loss was already beautiful with all its cast, mm-hmm. but then the fact that they were in this as well, you knew that this sort of team was a unit from the get-go and I think because mm-hmm. of that uh, and the tight relationships they have with each other, it also enhanced the relationship they had with the language. So mm-hmm. I think it's a very tight piece for outsiders coming in to um to really have the opportunity mm-hmm. to watch mm-hmm. uh, great chemistry with actors mm-hmm. who really have a good ponus on the language as mm-hmm. well um and with with the time piece too i think it's 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 a lot similar to to other ways hamlet has has been done mm-hmm. um, our production kind of did more of like a hipster emo-esque um hamlet mm-hmm. so that's totally different but um yeah the more traditional sort of staging and costuming hits the mark too and I've said this before too, but when you have actors like Tom Rooney and Mike Shera, who we've seen Mm. in a handful of the series so far, um, and now I will add Jonathan Goad and Adrian Gold to this sort of subcategory. I think these are actors, especially at Stratford, that with every role they play, they do a really good job of breaking sort of the traditional like properness Mm -hmm. of acting Mm -hmm. and especially of Shakespeare. So I think, uh, especially with acting students coming in to see this production, um, it's a really good example of sort of marry yourself to the text, but allow your own authenticity to leave the text. And don't be afraid to add those quirky gestures and physicality that is very unique to you to the piece, Mm -hmm. because it, it makes me love seeing people like Tom Rooney and Mike Shera over and over and over mm-hmm. again, because mm-hmm. they, they hit the mark of the character, but you know, it's still them behind the mask of the character too. And Jonathan mm-hmm. Go did a wonderful job of this too. Uh, going back to the chat he was having with Amaka and Anthony Cimellino in their pre-chat, mm-hmm. they both of him and Amaka were saying, Hamlet will be whoever is playing Hamlet. Like there's mm-hmm. never going to be the same Hamlet and, uh, and he, he mentioned something super amazing too, it, which kind of goes back into, like I'm saying, like adding more of just like the humanistic qualities that you as a human, as an actor, can bring to your characters. Um, mm-hmm. He was saying that Hamlet is just this sensitive person who cares deeply about people, has a fierce mm-hmm. mind and excitement and lust for beauty and life and love. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of actors have that too. But when you come to classical pieces... You sort of get bogged down by the history of these pieces or the people mm-hmm. who have preceded you in these roles that you don't necessarily always trust your own instincts. And I think when you see people, a lot of these, the folks in this cast go against the traditional um, standpoints of the characters.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a it's an awesome thing for for youth to to grasp mm-hmm. onto too, especially yeah. youth in theater. Yeah.
0: Fair, 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 fair enough, Tanisha. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah, like to piggyback off of what Jill said, that's exactly like what I was thinking seeing this. I was like, yes, this hits the mark. If And if people are gonna watch this, if maybe they're not familiar with the text or it's like the mm-hmm. first time they're coming in contact with Hamlet, mm-hmm. beautiful way to be introduced into it because mm-hmm. the language, it's all understandable. And like Jill said, there are so many like authentic moments to the person, you mm-hmm. know, that you can, it just shows actors uh, especially new actors that like you can really make a role your own mm-hmm. and add your own like isms because mm-hmm. um, like it, it just shows that Shakespeare deals with human emotion
3: mm-hmm. that's what
0: it is like mm-hmm. yeah the language might be uh, old it's the tightened text and uh but it's still situations that we're in all the mm-hmm. time
3: you No know?
0: mm-hmm. love grief and it's so beautiful to see yeah. like how the actors in this just, like, just took it and, like, made it their own, but also
3: mm-hmm.
0: kept it authentic to, like, I don't know, the just, like, the heightened emotion.
3: That mm-hmm. is
0: there. And yeah. um, I had another point, but I totally just lost it. But, yeah, okay. did, it was so good uh to, mm-hmm. you know, it's a good introduction to show people, mm-hmm. and I thought it's definitely good for, like, theater students.
3: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're
0: not, like, just afraid of the text. I feel like classical is what makes people think like, oh I have to, like Joe said, like be a certain way, Mm -hmm. like a traditional way. But there Mm -hmm. there is no traditional way. Like you are you and then you're just playing this character. So as an actor, Mm -hmm. I thought it was a great production. And
1: in a lot Mm -hmm. of panels before this, we've discussed how a lot of the sets or the dramaturgical swing on these traditional shows really do a good job of taking tradition and making it modern and i've mentioned this mm-hmm. so many times but a personal mandate of mine as a performer is i think we have a responsibility as performers to take texts from our past and sort of put a swing on them in the present mm-hmm. because like Tanisha's saying we deal with these things and we have dealt with these things since the dawn of time um and so what's beautiful about this production and Tanisha was talking about it too is like you can also do this but with the language itself it doesn't necessarily have to be behind a backdrop of a modern set or uh, you know like i was saying a dramaturgical thing of it it's the actor itself that can can make it modern too so
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fair uh, i will say i am conflicted on this front
3: oh
2: you agree with the, the critics the who are also begins. conflicted
0: <laughs> i i'm conflicted like part of me goes for performance wise like if i was te- like if, I, if i was doing something with actors I would definitely want to show them this because I think there's a lot of great performances we can look at. Whether once again it's Shauna McKenna, Jonathan Goad, uh, Garant Wayne Davies, uh, all these kind of great individual moments and performance pieces of the show. But then overall, because of the way the, the costumes and certain elements of, of, of production just didn't quite cohere together, I don't know if this is the right stage to show production to show the entire um Production as like a hey this is a Hamlet like you know I'm still a big fan of Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet I, of course I still you are why am I not I surprised st- <laughs> I'm st- I still think that would be one I would definitely want to show first like I remember before going to Stratford 2008 my dad and I watched a few different Hamlets like we watched the Kenneth Branagh Mel Gibson there we got our hands on the Laurence Olivier one too and. Like there's a few different performances I've watched in it and and I think for production wise, I don't know if this would be the one I would want to show as like a full-on production class, like here let's watch a performance. If but if I was teaching an acting class, I would go, absolutely let's show because once again, this is the performance that showed the really kind of inner like inner madness of each character. It's one of those things where you can really kind of watch these actors tick. And grow throughout their performances, so I'd be like, okay let's all just watch shauna mckenna in the background throughout this entire play and watch her go through these different steps without ever having a big scene where we see her break and be and become an alcoholic, but by the end we get why she is the way she is, like let's just pick this apart as an acting class, but overall I, I I don't know i i, I I'm a toss bag i'm I, I, I something something is not sitting fully right with this where I think I could full on back showing it just as a Hamlet performance piece. Oh, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm sitting. This is the first time where I've had that. Normally I'm like,
1: yes, we're all for it. but this time I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a bit wishy-wash. Um, also, apologies. I believe I've yes. been saying Garant Lynn Davies and it is Garant Wynn Davies. I yes. apologize, Garant. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. 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 I,
3: Thanks I, for I was, watching,
1: though. I yeah, have the program <laughs> note up and I wrote it down as Lynn. I'm like, that is not what the program <laughs> note is. So, apologize
0: yes, no, for Yeah. yes yes Davies. Yes, yes. when, when i met jonathan so it's okay like yes,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it happens don't
0: it happens, it happens it's the magic not of
2: live theater
0: exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> Exactly. Yes. all right uh tanisha let's have you start off this next topic which is what makes this particular character hamlet so favored and applauded by actors Like, this is one of these roles where we get to see actors always wanting to take on him he's one of the most sought after characters to be played in the Shakespeare canon why why is that after all these years Hey, I love that I got to start off this question because it's one that I immediately was drawn to mm-hmm. um, I think personally it's because he is so relatable like yep. you may not have experienced grief that close to you you mm-hmm. may have but there's other things that he goes through that just so so relatable to mm-hmm. a human. We all mm-hmm. like for the be- Like we all have to go to school, even if you're homeschooled, you still have that like <laughs> like school esque. And then like just the drama with his parents and mm-hmm. his girlfriend. Like I'm simplifying it obviously, mm-hmm. but it's still like it's just so relatable. And I think mm-hmm. as an actor, that that's easy to grab onto. Mm-hmm. And then. What I think it makes him so sought after is just like the depth of it. Like, yes, these are problems that are relatable, mm-hmm. but he's able to just go to like the extreme. So, like grief, like he's mm-hmm. able to like as an actor, you may not have experienced it, but something mm-hmm. that is like when it's done so well because it's mm-hmm. such a raw like human experience and emo- like there's so many emotions that I mm-hmm. go into grief to be able to play that and uh, you know just try to really hone that Mm -hmm. skill is like a dream like Mm -hmm. i i would love to play hamlet and Mm -hmm. uh i think about that all the time there was a -hmm. a period in my life where um uh, my dad actually passed away and i was like Mm -hmm. my life is hamlet now because (laughs) he like he was murdered as well and i was just like am i hamlet and i had to go to school like my life was mirroring it and i was like i see why mm-hmm. actors would want to do this because okay. everything I'm feeling like is just if you could watch it it's like my mm-hmm. life was a movie and I can't yep. see why he's just so sought after because mm-hmm. that's what we watch we watch dramas to cry and yeah. to feel stuff that maybe we haven't mm-hmm. felt or maybe we have and we mm-hmm. want to release it so yep. yeah <laughs> That's exactly, you know you basically took the words right out of my mouth as well with what i wrote i like my first note in, in um in over here on my page, I wrote his thoughts are so relatable. Mm-hmm. we all had have that them. on my notes too <laughs> yeah, like Tanisha, you hit you hit the nail right on the head, like it's mm-hmm. yes. such an accessible character, uh like I got I think out of all of Shakespeare's canon. this is the most human and most realistic character we've had mm-hmm. to really kind of go through uh as an audience and like we've all had these moments of grief and of madness at the world for what's happened and then also like his soliloquies are so articulate like i i, 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 I like, like there's so many dark moments in people's lives where like sometimes you do get to that really dark dark place of to be or not to be and you sit there at night in the dark and you go what if right now like like what would happen to the me in the world with this, I guess something so tangible and you can taste it in this character, which makes him such a wonderful part to really kind of dive into.
1: If I can piggyback off that too. Yeah, Joe, go. I think hats off to Shakespeare, I think Mm. with this character because he's such a standalone in his own category because I think Shakespeare has written these soliloquies so freely and mm-hmm. there's such a varying scale to them a lot of the times when I see characters do asides or soliloquies in Shakespeare it seems a bit like in a container but I mm-hmm. think this is the reason why Hamlet is so sought after to do it and is so favored because mm-hmm. like you and Tanisha have already said there's there's so much room and breath for mm-hmm. we've talked about this already but the authenticity of the actor to kind mm-hmm. of bring it in and, and this character is the epitome of a tragic comic like yeah. literally on a dime. He could take us down to the pitfalls of our heart, mm-hmm. but then mm-hmm. bring us up to, we're laughing so hard that our stomachs hurt, you know? And yes. that can be in like in, in the switch of a line. And mm-hmm. so I, I actually wrote that too. Like he makes us think, mm-hmm. cry and laugh, sometimes at the same mm-hmm. time. And it's, mm-hmm. it's that element of catharsis mm-hmm. that because Hamlet has the ability to really take his soliloquies and his sides really outside of that fourth wall, it mm-hmm. invites the audience to to live in that catharsis with him and mm-hmm. yeah like you guys said i wrote down he's the most relatable too because similar to uh, just in comparison to other works we've already seen in the series like there's no sorcery mm-hmm. behind hamlet like similar with mackers mm-hmm. or with the tempest right when it's mm-hmm. when it's like there's the idea of magic or the the idea of witchcraft that's sort of the catalyst to this madness or or mm. the devising factor of mm-hmm. of you know taking what is the real world what is in the real world like mm-hmm. this whole story is real you know right. and and uh him as the titular character he's the he's our narrator right whether we like mm-hmm. it or not so i think that's something that the audience can really really get behind there's there's no masks mm-hmm. in this i mean yeah. within the characters themselves yes a lot of people are <laughs> devious and uh, mm definitely not uh, be true to thine self yeah no a lot of them don't mm-hmm.
3: but, uh,
2: yeah
1: yeah so ryan i don't know if you yeah. have any last trickling yeah thoughts
2: you do. yeah i do i'm glad i didn't go first because yeah uh-huh. like my thoughts are boring by comparison but oh boy so i kind of have two thoughts on this and one of them is kind of like the extra boring sort of vaguely cynical thought which is Love that it. Hamlet has become like the very sought after role, like the most, not just in the Shakespeare canon, but just like in the canon of Western drama entirely, everybody wants to be Hamlet. And mm-hmm. I think that is in, of its in and of itself is a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy that you know you've made it as an actor when you are cast <laughs> as Hamlet. And because so many people have done it it really offers this great landing strip for Mm -hmm. the actor to like what will i do to make my hamlet different from the others and what can Mm -hmm. i bring to hamlet because there's this like you can watch just on film alone like probably at least 50 different versions of it and not just Mm -hmm. that's not even counting all the different ones on stage that happen Mm -hmm. probably every single year Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah like uh, yeah, so I think part of it, while you've all brought up great points, and I'm going to add a few to those for stuff that's inherent to the character that does make it, it's the reason why it attained that self-fulfilling prophecy status, I think the mythology of Hamlet itself as this actor's role really does contribute to the cycle of everyone wanting to be Hamlet because everybody wants to be Hamlet. <laughs> uh, that said... And nothing gets that status for no reason. And it's, of course, because there are a lot of greatly inherent things to the role that really make it interesting. The relatability that you've all brought up, I think, is a big part of it. But something that I also think is interesting, and Mac, you might remember this when we were in first year in our Origins of Theatre class at York, Mm -hmm. Professor Robert Fothergill, he had an interesting kind of point for why he thought was the popularity of this play in this role.
3: Right. And
2: what he mentioned was that There's a lot to be decided in here, and I think that's very interesting. Like, everything is a question. Nothing is given to you for sure. Is Hamlet mad, or is he just pretending? Is he the only one who can see the ghost, or is he just making up the ghost? Or, like, there's all these little things throughout there that falls under
1: the thesis of to be or not to be yeah like
2: did he really love ophelia or was he just pretending or did like you know what's the relationship with ophelia there's so many things that just aren't given to us despite how much hamlet just talks in this play he's not spoon feeding us (laughs) answers that we can really unpack yes this is the case and that i think plays into every actor has to make these decisions for themselves Mm -hmm. is he mad does he love Ophelia why does he wait so long to kill Claudius and it's all of those just bundle of opportunities Mm -hmm. really gives each actor or actress or just performer in general Mm -hmm. their chance to really make this role their own and I think that has a lot to do with why this has remained so popular and achieved that status as the role I think people really
0: succeed in the role when they do make it their own all those choices mm-hmm. they're like okay like what would i do yep. because that's like i don't care what you think i want you to see i want to what would
3: yes. you do you see? <laughs> we are unique humans right so mm-hmm. yeah I
2: mean, yeah very, yeah like with there's always this idea about like the definitive hamlet everyone has their own opinion whether it was laurence olivier or richard burton or kenneth brunner um but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i think it's almost like foolhardy to think that there can be a definitive Hamlet just because there have been so many different versions and each version will bring different things to it that what's fun about Hamlet is that there can be no definitive final version. Every one will be different and unique and interesting for that reason. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Very, very true. Okay, Jill, you're going to kick us off for the next question. Okay. What are uh, pitfalls actors or actresses who play the titular role should watch for?
1: Yeah, so I kind of already mentioned this a bit with talking back to the um, authenticity mm-hmm. of roles and how you have license and liberty to to take that leap. And I think this actually piggybacks piggybacks perfectly off of Ryan mm-hmm. um, in just saying that I think that um, a lot of the times, yes, Hamlets can fall into this not allowing themselves to explore their hamlet you Mm -hmm. know and and there's that comparison especially because it is a role that has so much pressure tied to it Mm -hmm. because everyone wants to be it or everyone has Mm -hmm. seen it in some way or everyone has studied it in some way Mm -hmm. um and so i think it's very much i think just a, a way to avoid that pitfall is just again this being a piece about a character's mind over like the character's actions so it It should really be rooted in that versus like the experiences that the Mm -hmm. actor as Hamlet is going through. It it needs to sort of be an emotional, mental journey, and because everybody's brain is different and everybody's experiences that lend to memories and cognitive ability is different, that's Mm -hmm. where you're going to be able to kind of freely live in that Hamlet as you self versus kind of putting yourself on an unnecessary pedestal in comparison. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, the pitfall is is to sort of fall in line with Hamlet's set of come and and uh mm-hmm. I guess just as advice and and if I ever have the opportunity to be it too, I would want to try my hardest to kind of I would want to be Hamlet enough to be as not Hamlet as possible. <laughs> so bring yes. that kind of avant-garde attitude mm-hmm. as the actor um to mm-hmm. play into the character. And then um in that same vein, I think uh there's the trap of escalating his madness too quickly
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um because you know I've seen some productions where yes Hamlet is deemed mad or he has the way that it was carried out you would say that yes madness is the end result but then Mm -hmm. talking back to the pre-chat like Amaka was saying and even Jonathan Goad was saying this too how Jonathan actually said my Hamlet I thought is like the sanest person that was on that stage um Mm -hmm. and so the fact that there can be varying degrees of what said madness is, I think both Amaka and Jonathan mm-hmm. were talking about how um, their Hamlets were more rooted in like the trauma and how everyone mm-hmm. experiences trauma. It's just everyone experiences trauma in their own different ways. And so that can be classified as madness per se. But mm-hmm. um, so again, I think it just, it'll go with your particular Hamlet journey of just not being afraid to add the ebbs and flows of, said madness or you know explosion of emotion but bringing it back down and i think Jonathan Go did a really wonderful job of switching his sort of dealing with grief you know mm-hmm. like putting on that comedic facade and then also breaking down sobbing on stage um mm-hmm. and i i cannot wait to see Amaka's interpretation as well when when that production goes up too mm-hmm. but um yeah so allow yourself to be authentic and and play with the madness. I think those those are two yeah. that can be pitfalls, but yeah, I invite you to Fantastic. Not.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. Tanisha, what's say if you? Um, I think one of the like I agree with Jill, like one of the big pitfalls is like trying to be like what people are expecting of Hamlet, like that's mm-hmm. so silly. We, like your job as an actor is to bring you to the character because we haven't mm-hmm. seen that. That's what's fresh. And yeah, so just mm-hmm. keeping your authenticity there. Also, um, yeah, I, I, one of the biggest things that I like, irks me is when people like, think that like the madness is like, is mania, or like mm-hmm. that into just being like a maniac. Mm-hmm. Like there's, I, I feel like there is different interpretations that you could have, because we're talking like, how many years ago did Shakespeare write this? Like what was considered madness then? Could just be mm-hmm. like mental health issues that somebody's dealing yes. with, like depression, like, traumatic mm-hmm. st- stresses, or from mm-hmm. having your father been murdered. Like that's yes. a thing, okay. coupled with yeah, grief and depression. Like and mm-hmm. so like playing the like not the modernity of like just like what we know now. Mm-hmm. The actual like madness is actually like just a bunch of different stuff that we go through mm-hmm. as humans, like emotionally and like mentally. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, like not just, just being like this, I don't know, like this frantic person. Or another big one is like when they're just like super sad the entire, time. like the, it's so melancholic. Yeah. Like there's moments of that, of course, but like there's mm-hmm. just like us as humans, we're just mm-hmm. this variety. So like playing yeah. that, that's where you want to go. Mm-hmm. You don't want to fall into the mm-hmm. pitfall of just one emotion. Um, that's the the real thing
3: for me. Yeah.
0: yeah. I can piggyback off that because I have I have similar notes to Tanisha's. Once again, Tanisha, you and I are on very similar
3: wavelengths <laughs> here today. Uh,
0: but my first note is me is, is is not playing Hamlet as either just sad and mad, mm-hmm. like the, like the thing with Hamlet is is especially like going back and reread the play. I pulled the Ryan this week where I should <laughs> read the work, and there's a lot of comedy in this, especially mm-hmm. with the character of Hamlet between his asides. And, and and just little looks you can give as an actor and even a mock-o, like she was talking about how Han- one of hamlet's first lines right out of the gate is a pun so he's yeah. very witty and he's funny but yeah a lot of times people miss that where they just go oh he's depressed he's upset ergo no comedy we're gonna go as bleak and as sad as we can get but it's like no hamlet is someone who's struggling with the sadness and madness of the world and he's trying to move forward and yet he's being anchored down by this ghost and these feelings he's having yeah. and there's, there's a lot more complexity and i also love how jonathan goad brought up the vulnerability of Hamlet, like there's just mm-hmm. sadness and vulnerability
3: mm-hmm.
0: and the fact that jonathan goad goes in that uh bedroom scene with Gertrude, where he goes all he wanted as as a character was to grieve with his mother and lay, mm-hmm. and lay his head on her lap and just have that moment of sadness together and just have that vulnerability of being a young boy again going, I've lost my dad. Like, yeah. like God, like God damn, like, I, I, like I've lost my parental guide, yeah. figure of this story. And I, and I, I don't, and I, I, I feel like a child again, I don't have that sounding board that I that I had when I was growing up. And there's something with that where like, Jonathan Goad talked about that and I was like, yes, that's something that we miss a lot of the time of Hamlet. Is that he's mm-hmm. is, is that when is that he's often played by older male actors who are in their thirties. I'm like, no, Hamlet should be someone in his mid twenties, like like mm-hmm. someone young who is still coming through the world, who is not yet ready to take on the mantle of being king. Mm-hmm. Ergo, why Claudius ends up being the king, not just because he marries Gertrude, but because back in the day, if you, if you weren't deemed ready to be king, then you would become then you have somebody take over that position for the time being. In fact, he in fact he is somebody who's in school, like Larratties. Yeah. Like they're like he's younger. He's still working through this, and he's lost this figure. So, ergo, yeah, I think I think those are the biggest things: not playing into the madness and sadness, finding the bu- the vulnerability, and finding the humor. I think those are the big things that they need to be done as Hamlet that actors need to watch for. And if you just play it as sad and mad, you're going to lose a lot of the the colors that Hamlet can paint with, especially
1: because Fortinbras makes a point of saying at the end yes. like he will go down in honor like you know he mm. is lifted in this production he was literally lifted up yeah and he's the last image we see sort of as like this fallen mm. Christ image
3: yeah. and
1: yeah and and so that's fun that's it, it's just because that character makes a point of saying mm. that it's very true, Mac, like when you see productions yeah. where it is sort of one note, mm-hmm. it almost doesn't give the the juice that that line needs. Yes. When our Fortin in this production said that, I was like, yes, like he will mm-hmm. go down remembered. Um, it yes. Sort of is a beautiful like capping of this mm-hmm. colorful, tragic, comedic
3: character mm-hmm. that just mm-hmm.
1: falls so fastly before our eyes, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. Ryan? As a director yourself, what would you advise actors on?
2: Yeah, so like I was going to start by saying that I myself am not an actor, so maybe take what I say as a grain of salt. And I don't direct all that often either, so definitely not an expert. I, I did also have a note about the more so refrain from being too melancholic, but I agree with you both that like definitely... The same with the avoid being too mad or over the top and what madness looks like. But one thing that I would also kind of like to highlight, and maybe there have been little like, echoes of this in several of your points also, is that these lines are so well known. And I think there's no "to be or not to be" that whole monologue is like the epitome of that in like all of Western literature. And <laughs> what's really interesting about that speech that people I think have a tendency to forget. At least until they're watching a production of Hamlet or reading it, and is that that monologue kind of comes out of nowhere? It's not like prompted by anything anyone says. I think there's the obvious iconography of him holding the skull and saying that, but those are two completely different scenes, and the fact that we've <laughs> conflated those two in this like popular iconography just shows that we expect him to be holding Yorick's skull and thinking, "Who should I just kill myself? Is that?" But that's not what happens. But it's like in this perfect little moment in the middle of the play where he's about to come on to talk to Ophelia and he just this is what's on his mind. And the second any actor starts saying the first like sentence of it, which is, you know, the whole monologue is iconic, but it's really that first two lines of it is what everybody knows. Yeah. I think the big pitfall that I've seen happen to many Hamlets is that you play that less so that it's Hamlet in that moment with his thoughts and more so this is my to be or not to be. Which it is. Every actor will have their to be or not to be moment and you do need to make that speech your own. But I think the popularity of that and the iconicness of it can really pull you out of the immersion of the scene and the performance. And what I think makes that scene most interesting is when I really feel like, yes, this is the natural thing for Hamlet to say in that moment and not, yes, you are an actor who nailed that speech. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that, yeah, take it for what it's worth. But that's my pitfall that I would like to see less actors getting caught up in just the weight of this is my moment and Mm -hmm. just let themselves be Hamlet for a bit. Yes.
0: Yes. And Bridget talked about that too, where um she said like how especially at Stratford, where people have seen these productions so many times now mm-hmm. where as an actor you have to be almost ahead of them and can't sit with that to be or not to be because as richard points out the audience is su- there's a lot of audiences that are, audience that are mouthing the words along with you mm-hmm. and they're going to be whispering that line ahead of you and the last thing you want is to be playing Catch up with the with the with the audience member whispering the whole speech in the corner mm-hmm. off stage. Um, so yeah, no, absolutely, like definitely, like don't sit in the weight of those lines. Just let the lines be what they are, because because mm-hmm. you won't be the last Hamlet, and you're not the first Hamlet. You are mm-hmm. you, you, you're one of the many wonderful Hamlets that will grace a stage. So just mm-hmm. let yourself be Hamlet. Perfect, Ryan. Well said. That is a very good note as a director. You definitely should give to your actor. Um, mm-hmm. Okay last but not least we have the last question of the night which is uh with this being the most produced play in in the western world would you say ryan like
2: i would say most likely yes i haven't yes. run the stats but that's what <laughs> but it's very popular yes
0: yes it is so with that being said what can still be discovered or staged differently with this play because a lot of times like popular plays after a while it's like okay well we've seen the Russian Revolution version of Hamlet now how many times. We've seen the medieval Hamlet done so many times. We've seen the modern Hamlet done this this many times. So what is left for us to discover and do with this work? Tanisha, what do you say? I, <laughs> I was thinking, so I'm glad that you picked me. Um, yeah. I think there's there is still so much to be discovered because, mm-hmm. like we were talking about before mm-hmm. um, we actually began the panel, there, like, just starting to be now like oh here's a female Hamlet for you mm-hmm. oh here's a person of color playing Hamlet for you mm-hmm. and I think about this all the time like what if Hamlet oh, was like in based in like Chicago like Chirac like people's mm-hmm. dads are murdered all the time
3: mm-hmm. and
0: like this, this is like this is real life I think that's why mm-hmm. Hamlet we talked about is so relatable is because like oh this like actually happens um mm-hmm. maybe not the whole like king prince bit but like the politics of it still mm-hmm. and the the uh human relationships of it. So what mm-hmm. I think can still be discovered is just ways to make it relatable to different groups of people. And yeah me like alienate other groups like if you made a all like like if you staged Hamlet like like I said, like in a ghetto or it just in mm-hmm. a, a all person of color kind of cast or something. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like maybe it might be weird for some like white people watching but at the same time mm-hmm. it's like you're gonna learn so much like mm-hmm. just knowing that this can actually fit into just different cultures mm-hmm. and different yep. just different mm-hmm. ways of being done mm-hmm. also I feel like there's so many old hamlets like so many old white dudes I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> like, younger people can feel things and express them too mm-hmm. As a person yes. who felt like my life was Hamlet, I was like, I would love to play this and actually
3: mm-hmm. like
0: show what I'm feeling because it's so mm-hmm. real. Yeah. And I feel like other people feel that too. So just to see like younger Hamlets, more people of color, mm-hmm. so that's why I'm so excited for Stratford's like upcoming production. Mm-hmm. Of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. what I think. Yeah. Agreed. Wonderful. Ryan, what sayeth you?
2: Well, yeah, I think that's an excellent answer right there. Much better than anything I was going to say, but mm-hmm. I think... The framing of this question to me feels like a bit of a trap because <laughs> to say like what can still be done, none of us can presume to know like the thousands and thousands and millions of Hamlet productions there are, but to say that, oh, I have an idea that hasn't been done. Maybe it has because there's just been so many of them. Uh Like, the fact that this one we just watched was the ninth time it's been done at Stratford alone, and the one that was going to be this year is the Mm (laughs) tenth. So, like, that's just, that's so many Hamlets. Like, how could you even, like, begin to think that, like, oh, yeah, I bet there's never been a very tall Hamlet, or I don't know, just (laughs) to come up with something glib. (laughs) But but I think, yeah, there's definitely still interesting things. Something that I'd like to see more of, and uh, there certainly have been these already, is just, different plays or stories that take the building blocks of hamlet but do something else with it entirely like one of my favorite plays is rosencrantz and guildenstern are dead by tom stoppard yes. which is such a wonderful reimagining of the hamlet story from the perspective of these two goofy side characters <laughs> also like beckett's end game is like another good example that has been popularly interpreted as this is what's going on inside hamlet's skull during the entire duration of the performance Yeah, like the whole plot of it, uh, The Lion King, I kind of sigh a bit when people invoke this because there aren't that many similarities to Hamlet, but it very clearly is the inspiration. Like, I, my favorite scene in The Lion King is the one where Simba and Nala's brother wrestle in her grave and he sends Timon and Pumbaa to their deaths in England. Like, they're, obviously, it's not a one to one comparison, but like, there certainly is that. And then Lion King one and a half, of course, is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, uh, yes. showing what they've been up to the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also saw this pretty interesting play. It was at the Undercurrents Festival in Ottawa I believe 2007. Uh, it was by a playwright named Curtis Go. It was called The Assassination of King Hamlet I. And it was a prequel play about Hamlet's father like navigating court politics, fighting Fortinbras and the Norwegian army, his conniving brother conspiring against him. And that was a really cool play. I haven't seen this yet, but last year uh, Daisy Ridley was in this Ophelia movie. I don't know if yes. any of you saw that. That sounds like an that. interesting idea. So like while yes, there certainly are more things to do with just productions of Hamlet. I'm always curious to see what else we can do with Hamlet. Mm -hmm. And that might be how I choose to answer this question for now. Mainly just because I don't have ideas of my own for what to do with an exciting new production.
0: I do, but I'm keeping that to myself. Um
2: smart to protect that intellectual property. I am. I am. (laughs)
0: But I will piggyback off you, Ryan, because I wrote very similar notes where I go, because this is being produced over the western world it's very likely that you've had a similar concept done somewhere else mm-hmm. but what i think is less need to discover is even if you are both like let's say tanisha are both directors and, you and i both decide to do
2: chicago
0: inner city and
2: yours will be very different i'm sure
0: uh, exactly <laughs> like a direct directorially you'll be very different in, in your interpretations of that text mm-hmm. i think that's where as a director and actor, you can kind of go in those places where Where each production, you know, there may be a a similar concept, it would still be a different way of going about it. But at the same time, I think this has now become more of a play for audiences to discover themselves Mm -hmm. and and discover and and kind of discover that inner working of Shakespeare, where this kind of play is kind of graduated beyond just being a play by Shakespeare. It's now become this piece that is this universal piece of of, of, um, humanity Hmm. that, and, and that audiences get to come to Every few years, and discover that. that's why I love reading it in grade twelve in high school was because it was the perfect time when when you're just coming of age, you're about to move off into the world, you're about to be like yeah. there, she's going off to school, you're about to be like I, 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 I back to thy on self. be speech just so powerful when you're leaving to go to university or college for the first time. It's yeah. that it's, it's that it's that wider world play is going to open you up to saying, hey, the world knows how you're feeling. We're, we've all gone through this communal mm-hmm. experience together. Mm -hmm. and i think that's why this play is still something to be discovered for audiences more than actors and directors now because actors and directors we've all kind of come across these same concepts a few times before but as Mm -hmm. an audience you may never have read hamlet before but the first time you come to it and you see this production jonathan goad is now your inaugural hamlet and it will Mm -hmm. always be your inaugural it's the same time of going to see a musical for the first time and and, 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 and whoever is your Alexander Hamilton, your John Valjean, your Phantom of the Opera, your Christine Daae, that first one you see will always be that mm-hmm. special person mm-hmm. and inform the way you interpret that piece going forward. Yeah. So I think that's where that, I think that's what Hamlet gives us. It gives us this beautiful venue to experience actors and directors' concepts, but as an audience, it gives you that chance to yeah. meet this great piece of work that needs to be done because people need to see it because it's a very human piece.
1: Yeah. Joe, wrap us up yeah. on that. Yeah, Matthew, you wove greatly into my second point, which was yeah, like every just like every Hamlet mm-hmm. will be astronomically different. Every director or approach to this piece will mm-hmm. be different too. So I really do think like you know, if a collection of towns were given a specific time period and mm-hmm. a specific era and a specific cast uh, and a specific representation of humanity too, uh, it, every piece is still going to be very very different to, because. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, like you said, this piece provides so much access to to mm-hmm. the actors and the audience. Um, mm-hmm. And as we mentioned before, like I'm super stoked for this uh, upcoming Hamlet uh, production mm-hmm. at Stratford because definitely, yeah, BIPOC representation of course, because this is such a piece that speaks to all of humanity in some shape mm-hmm. or form. We definitely need to see more of of humanity reflected in the piece itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah like I would love to see an all-black cast of this I think that would be mm-hmm. like so great and such a different experience for me and for every audience member sitting sitting in the audience um, mm-hmm. regardless of generation too like uh, there's definitely just kind of going back to the whole alcohol- alcoholism in this particular production it was a lot of the mm-hmm. older generational characters that were using that as a vice where mm-hmm. you never really saw that in Ophelia and Hamlet and I think it's subtle but that speaks that is another layer or a facet of this piece that can be toyed with too and um the idea of using vices or the idea of of pushing against society mm-hmm. i think there's so many ways that that can be reflected in this piece and those layers are going to be fortified even more by by extending this opportunity to all all people um mm-hmm. so and another thing that i don't mind sharing my directorial potential wanting to do with this piece (laughs) because I don't know if it'll ever happen because I tend to I tend to be a huge um like transitions queen I I love my transitions and I want to know I want to fill those transitions with the backstories of characters Mm -hmm. so if we remember with Mackers I was like I want to know more about the McDuffs. I want to (laughs) know their history and and you know I kind of want a little sideshow of them and Mm -hmm. so I think with this piece too and especially um with our Ophelia and Hamlet being uh very different, their relationship is very different, and the approach that both actors took to their individual roles was very different like for example i I kind of would maybe want to see a production where um that relationship can build because a lot happens with them off stage, or it's a lot of hearsay about the relationship. but if we, through mm-hmm. the transitions, you kind of see little silhouettes or so little vignettes of that um and, and maybe even Laertes' journey too, right? Like he hears about mm-hmm. the death of his father. He hears about the death of his sister. Mm-hmm. Like, where is he? You know, where did, he comes in in such an anger, but
2: mm-hmm. it's like,
1: how did that build? Was that immediate? You know, I feel like again, they're, and then same going back to the chortling the, um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Like, yes, they did a whole play on them in particular, but within mm-hmm. the piece too, I think you could embed um, another layer of that serious or comedic mm-hmm. conversation between those two. Um yeah and then and then just going back to the the idea of Gertrude and Claudius drinking because that was such a an an element in this piece um we see them sort of cuz even I don't even think Claudius was as far into the drink as Gertrude was at the end of the <laughs> play at least in my opinion but then in the scene where he has his own monologue he is quite drunk too so i want to know mm-hmm. like are you guys drinking alone are you drinking together? Do you guys trigger each other's drinking habits? Like this again was all dialogue or, or mm-hmm. character work that was off the stage. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I guess if I if I were to do this production, it would, it would be cool to unveil even more sort mm-hmm. of of the psyches of these characters, mm-hmm. and maybe that can be can be put into transition work or whatever when staging this piece. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, that's like my production side so of if anybody
2: watching it. this steals that idea thank jill in the credits or yeah, in the program you. yeah, yeah. 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 Or, you
1: go. or you know hire me on as as a dramaturg or <laughs> or an assistant director to kind of dot your i's and cross your t's I love it love it.
0: <laughs> love it love it love it and that's it for this yeah uh, version of hamlet our little little breakdown thank you all for joining us tanisha welcome to the fold I'm um, so happy to nope. join us for this episode <laughs> uh, where can people find you if they want to follow you on some socials they can follow me um, on Instagram my name is Tanisha Sinclair S-I-N-C-L-A-I-R no E mm-hmm. at the end <laughs> um, and uh, same same name on
1: Facebook if you want to follow me I'm there too
0: great wonderful Miss mm-hmm. Jill
1: yes so as per usual my artist Instagram is at jillian with a j dot robinson96 um yeah you'll find me there i'm also into musicals and uh yeah just doing fun quirky Mm -hmm. stuff on the side too so you get to see all my colors on there (laughs)
0: love it love it ryan give us your regular message
2: i'm not on most social medias and the only one i'm on i don't want friend requests from strangers so Uh, Just send all that love to Cup of Hemlock. Uh, We have some exciting stuff coming up. We have more of the one-on-one artist interviews, episodes of the Cup. By this time, I believe you've already seen one of them with Dandelion Theater. But hopefully you've seen it. If not, go click on that. Maybe it's in the recommended, on the side there, who knows? Uh, But yeah, you can watch that. There's more of those coming up the pipeline. Uh, We also are very excited to have our polished reading of ghosts coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, and yeah, just like, share, and subscribe on all platforms. <laughs>
0: beautiful, 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 beautiful. And you can find me at all social media platforms at Mackenzie Horner. look for the ginger guy in the profile picture. Uh, I'm always posting fun things there, doing the Playbill Song Challenge. Uh, and then you can always follow our um, podcast uh, account that I am part of with, with, uh, with our friend Autumn Smith. Uh called before the down Beauty Musical podcast, where on a biweekly basis we're breaking down a show uh when it uh when this comes out uh next week, uh we will be just about to release our uh sto- our, our episode about which is of Eastwick, Ooh. a musical that autumn herself worked on with Ian McShane in the mm-hmm. West End. so there's lots of great stories to be had on that episode, so be sure to tune in. For that, but until next time, we'll see you all next week uh, with our next episode, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is one of the lesser-known history plays. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, let it me is just confirm, it's King is John. It?
2: Yes, exactly.
0: Once again, featuring shauna McKenna
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, coming
0: back into into the fold for another episode. Uh, so we'll be for another to...
2: play, we have not gotten yes. Shauna McKenna on the we cup yet. But if you're, Shauna but Shauna, if you're watching, we can make room for you. No, come Absolutely. on anytime. Talk Absolutely. to Bridget; she'll put in a good word for us, hopefully. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yes, yeah, true. <laughs> Keep your eyes peeled. Bridget is returning in, in a few weeks uh, for mm. another episode, and we also have another Stratford actor who we will not reveal yet, but who's mm. who is coming. He's down the
2: kind way. of a big deal.
0: He's so kind of a S. big deal. <laughs> yeah so be sure to stay tuned for that announcement we'll make a special announcement
2: of.
1: we of have mentioned years. his name as like as a slight clue so yes you we
2: yourself. frequently praise him mm-hmm. because he's frequently in these shows and frequently praise okay
1: enough clues, enough clues
2: oh so like, many enough clues, enough clues. <laughs> Either way, a we're company? looking forward to having you if you're watching yes
0: <laughs> yes thank you and have a great week everybody stay healthy stay safe and until next time bye 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 everyone
3: mm-hmm.